Welcome back to Disney Dependent. I'm Sarah Chilcott. And I'm Crump Raleigh. Ah, see what I did? It's This joke is so done. And yet. Guys, it's funny. It's like my thing. <laughs> yeah, we know. It's like my flagship thing. People know that about me. <laughs> yeah, we know. Like, that's so a James thing to do, you know? How would they even know you're James? Well, the millions of fans that I have, let's be honest, I carry the show. And clearly, they all know that. And they, I mean, they know me, they know my name. So I could say, hello, oh, Michael Jackson every week. And like, they know it's still Jamesian. They know that. I'm the star. And just in case you don't know, that's James McMillan. <laughs> James Ian <laughs> Macmillan. James Ian. James Ian. Well, it is a Wednesday, as our father would say. It's Wednesday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We're recording on a Wednesday. Yeah, we're yeah. recording on a Wednesday. Um, you know, it's winter in Portland. That's it. That's how I'm doing. Yeah. It's yeah. gray. It's incredibly it's gray. It's bland. In fact. It's so bland. Oh, did you hear something? Ah! <laughs> this just in. It's 52 and cloudy at not Disneyland. And it's 65 and sunny at Disneyland. God, that sounds nice. Hey, you're going to be there in a week. Dude. I know. Bruh. Just in time for the mask mandates to be lifted, too. Hey, James, you want to be sad? Yo. When this episode comes out, we will already be home. Stop it. <laughs> God, I hate that version of James. <laughs> Ugh. What a lame guy. <laughs> Nothing to look forward to. <laughs> no, we're going with our the one and only Deanna Chapman, who's our editor and mixer of the show. Slash person that we sing at in the microphone. Mm -hmm. Yes. And has all kinds of things probably saved. You know, it's of funny, us. our audience never gets to hear that. Yeah. There's no. a lot of like, Deanna, take that out. <laughs> yeah. A lot of that. <laughs> Tons of it. Deanna's our hero and she holds our lives in her Oh my Sweet God. little hands. Yeah, she, she's got it all. All the power. <laughs> by the way, she's... Deanna Chapman is no joke. She also mixes and edits a lot of other podcasts. We're by far one of the smallest shows that she does. Mm -hmm. And some of them are like legitimately big podcasts. So she's got a lot of power over a lot of people. Yeah, she does. <laughs> oh, yeah. This and is I how know she's, some of these she's climbing in the ranks. And she works with a lot of music industry degenerate fucks that, you know... Do a lot of shady business, you know what I mean? Shady business. <laughs> well, their business is good. Their personalities have some questionable history. We'll put it that way. Well, anyway. Uh, I'm not going to Disneyland, just no, for the record. I not will be time. here. We will miss you. It's weird when we go without you, which is so rare. I think we've only gone, we went that one day. You've gone a couple times. Yeah, I think like two, maybe two or three. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it was three. The one day, we flew there in the morning, went for the day, flew home at night because we're crazy people. And then Oogie Boogie. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of different for me. It's like We didn't go to Disneyland. We didn't park hop or anything. It was for an event. And now this trip. I think that's it. Yeah. People love when you eat on a podcast. He's <laughs> eating a, a dry... <laughs> Room temperature croissant from Starbucks. Such a jerk. <laughs> Today we're celebrating Rolly Crump. Oh, it's Rolly. Well, it's Roland, so Rolly. That makes more oh, sense. Oh, and I always thought it was Raleigh. I thought it was Raleigh as well. I do too. I have a really hard time remembering Rolly, Rolly. It's like Rolly, like... Like like Rolla joint. Nope. Nope. Not no. like that. Like Rolly Poly. Yes. Yes. Which but not is really. also a, what do you call it, Ashley? A potato, potato bug? bug? Oh, or a pill God. bug? Stupid yeah. Oregonian kids. Roly poly. <laughs> Sarah. For life. Sarah, without thinking about it, play rock, paper, scissors with me real quick. Okay. okay? Ready? ready? Go. Oh. Ah, see? See? <gasps> no. James tried to, he tries to he shoot tries on to three. Do it on, yeah. No, you do one, two, two three, three boom. James is wackadoo i you do, you do he a does. one two three four yeah, yeah one, one two, two three three go then you answer I thought you and me always went bump 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 nope now bump bump uh-uh bump 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 yep always oh. and that is universal yeah is you're, not? you're wrong well there's a west coast east coast 
Okay. I don't. I think he just made that up. I think he made it up. I didn't. No, there, there so truly is. So, if someone in New York and someone in okay, Oregon a, are going to do it, there's one that's going to cheat. Rolla Jones, our, our friend on Instagram. Rolla yes, Jones, he is from the East Coast. Okay, help me out, my brother. Do you guys do this differently on the East Coast? And if so, how? Right I want to know how everyone does it. Trust me, this it is. There is a, a difference, and I thought we had like a california west coast thing Mm -mm. and i I couldn't remember i thought it was boom 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 but now now that doesn't feel right although yeah i think you're right i may have just been trained out of it and don't remember that i did it differently when i was a kid Mm, 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 mm. josh and i rock paper scissors who's gonna pay all the time and you always do four yeah okay see now that feels right yeah it's always one, two, three, boom. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Sorry. I had to get down to the bottom of that on air. Back to the topic at hand. Back. Rolly. 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 We are celebrating him, first mm-hmm. of all, because he's rad, and I've been meaning to talk about him for some time now, but also because his birthday is February 27th. So, wow. This is very timely. And he'll be how old? He will be 92. You don't say. So as of the air date, he is 92. Yes. Wow. Happy wow. birthday, Roly. Unbelievable. Yep. I mean, he's part of some of those Disney Plus documentaries where it's like, I, I mean, he, he knew Walt Disney. He's one of the last Imagineers that remembers that era. That's crazy. Yep. That's rad. One of the lead designers for Haunted Mansion. And that's amazing. Cool. Yeah. Roland Fargo Crump. What a name. AKA the weirdest one of all. That's a good name for a cat. Roland Fargo, Fargo Crump. Crump. Yeah. <laughs> RFC for short. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I've also got a few snippets from his book, which I will also be mentioning. Ooh, he has a book. Yes. Cool. And I, I own it now. Nice. Um, but oh, so, that's the book you were buying the other day. Yeah. Ah. So, um,. The intro to his book I have in here. So it's, my whole life is based on a bunch of wonderful, crazy little stories. Every story I tell is a little kinky and kind of funny. If you get the audience to laugh, they'll continue to listen to you. Hey, that's what we try to do. That's what we try. Hopefully, what's contained in these pages does make you laugh, and you'll enjoy it right up until the very end. So, you want to hear the tale of Rolly Crump? Well, it's kind of a cute story. And that's the name of his book, is It's Kind of a Cute Story. Aww. That's a great idea for a book name. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, James. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Rolly was born Roland Fargo Crump on February 27, 1930 in Alhambra, California. Crump's love of all things Disney began very early. Growing up in Santa Monica, Crump was mostly raised by his single mom, his parents struggled to make ends meet after the great stock market crash. Wow. And his father was unable to keep a steady job and ended up looking for hope in the bottom of a bottle. Wow. Very um, Saving Mr. Banks e yeah. story. And anyone that grew up in that era in California, I'm, I'm jealous of. California, I mean, there's places in Southern California that do feel like paradise even today. Yeah. But imagine what it was like back then. Yep. Way less traffic. Oh, yeah. Pollution. All the bullshit that exists now in the state of California wasn't there. I mean... They had other bullshit. Oh, of course. Nothing's perfect. Racism. (laughs) No, there was none of that, guys. Polio. (laughs) (laughs) Lack of vaccines. Uh, So Crump was inspired to start drawing around the age of three after having seen one of Walt Disney's silly symphony shorts, The Three Little Pigs, in 1933. He fell in love with the art, and so he spent his adolescence and young adulthood drawing. His mom was his biggest fan and supporter. She even wrote to Disney himself when Rolly was only 16, recommending that they hire her talented son. It didn't work, but Rolly would eventually be hired only five years later. So, 1951, Rolly and his mother had Christmas dinner with some of her friends, one of whom worked in animation at the Disney Studios. He told the lady of his great aspirations to work for Disney, and she told him to contact Andy Ingman, who agreed to interview Rolly. Mm. After the interview, he was offered $30 a week to start. Oh, my God. He was making already $75 a week as a dipper in a ceramic factory. 
Okay. And what year is this? 51. 51. Okay. So he's 21 Yes. Yeah. Making $75 a week as a ceramic dipper. Wow. So unsure if he could make that pay cut work, he went home and spoke with his mom about it. And she said, honey, you always wanted to go work for Disney. Just go for it. <laughs> so to help pay his family's bills and make ends meet, Crump worked manual labor jobs on the weekends, making $40 per weekend, lowering bricks and making mud. So making forty dollars on the weekends, and then all week making thirty dollars at Disney. Right. That's nuts! Come Sacrifice. on, Disney. <laughs> right? Yeah. He had darn his keep. That's right. While Crump's art was more whimsically outlandish than what Disney was known for, emphasizing bold and brash colors and an offbeat sense of humor. Think work fit for a comic book, or better yet, a tattoo. Mm. It was far from rudimentary. Uh, but he was told later in his career by Ken Peterson, who was running the animation department when Crump arrived, that, quote, what you showed us was the worst portfolio of anyone ever hired in animation. <laughs> no way. Wow. Because Rolly, unlike the other artists, was not a professionally trained artist. Right. His strengths lay elsewhere, which we'll get into in a bit. At first, he served as a an in-between artist. And the way I understand that from his book is that there's 24 frames per second and the in-between artist paints the paints 12 of those. Mm. Uh-huh. And they're like the less important frames. Okay. Because they're just flashing so fast. Yes. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's crazy to think how much of that stuff was done by hand. Or oh, all yeah. Of mm-hmm. um, later, he was an assistant animator contributing to Peter Pan. Lady and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, Sleeping Beauty, and others. He was an assistant to one of Walt Disney's nine old men, Eric Larson. Mm-hmm. While working on 101 Dalmatians, Larson handed the Canine Crunchies scene sequence to Crump and said, Okay, Rolly, do the spots. <laughs> Meaning he personally had to do all of the spots on all of the dogs for this scene oh, wow. by himself. Oh my god. It took six months. <laughs> Just for that scene. Just for the canine crunchies can't be beat. They make each meal a special treat. (laughs) For $30 a week. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Wow. At the time, Crump was a beatnik and decades younger than Disney's other well-known early Imagineers. His inspiration was different than most as well. Crump cites activist, provocateur, and jazz great Josephine Baker among his major influences. Hey, guys. What's a beatnik? I mean, I, I know. You know, what, it's like, like a... I know generally, and so do you, but what is it? Like, what's the definition of a beatnik? Or is it just a vibe, man? Or, it's like liberal, like poet, like, yeah, poetic. <laughs> I wear a beret, artsy, like pushing back on the conservative vibe in the 50s. Is that kind of... The beatnik was a media stereotype prevalent throughout the late 40s, 50s, to mid-60s that displayed the more superficial aspects of the beat generation literary movement of the 40s to early mid-50s. It's like a precursor to the 60s hippie thing. No, because it was more like intellectual. Yeah. Oh, like the snapping. Well, it was like they were, I think, kind of pretentious... It kind of like in White it's Christmas. White Christmas, it's... Yeah. The yeah. choreography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So he's a beatnik. Here's what he said about Josephine Baker. He says, Josephine was wild and crazy, Crump says. So naturally, I was attracted to that. <laughs> now, later on in his career, Crump would become somewhat close to Walt Disney. To this day, he refers to him as the old man. No. But that relationship took some time, and Crump spent his first three years as an Imagineer speaking nary a word to him. Wow. All I did was absorb, Crump says. I watched how everyone reacted to Walt and the strengths and the weaknesses of the different guys. I studied Walt Disney and what it was like to work with him, but I wasn't participating until after three years. That's when I started talking. I learned that if you show something to Walt, it has to be something that he hasn't seen before. And thankfully, Rolly was nothing if not innovative. Intent on learning all aspects of the business, he took advantage of Disney's open-door policy, wandering into departments and observing the work of sculptors, animators, and designers. 
God, what I would have. Yeah, you're cared like to be a fly man. Back then. Open door, just like crawling Jeez. around and see what they're doing in there. Like the most <laughs> legendary Disney films that era. Mm-hmm. With this, so this was in Burbank then at this time. Yes. The yes. Studios, right. Mm-hmm. Um, during this time, Crump not only honed his artistic skills, but gained a strong belief in his own abilities. Looking back on this era, Rowley says, Walt told, taught me to be confident about myself. I learned not to be intimidated by any project. In 1959, he joined show design at Walt Disney Imagineering. There, he became one of Walt's key designers for some of Disneyland's groundbreaking new attractions and shops, including the Haunted Mansion, the Enchanted Tiki Room, and the Adventureland Bazaar. All pretty good things. Pretty pretty friggin' great. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in the 60s, uh, Disney moved Rolly out of animation and into what was then WED, now Imagineering, and he became one of the first Disney Imagineers. His fascination with propellers led to a display in the studio library. Walt was intrigued by the colorful spinning objects and the artist who developed them. The little propellers became the inspiration for the Tower of the Four Winds, which he designed for It's a Small World attraction mm-hmm. at the 1964 World's Fair. Hilariously, um, Crump did not like his his uh, Tower of the Four Winds. Famously thought that it, when it showed up, he was like, it's a pile of crap. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah. But Disney loved it, and he was like, yeah, it's not a pile of crap. I, I spent $200,000 on it or something like that. Wow. I love the idea that someone has a fascination with propellers. Yeah. That's a very specific thing. I think it's also an old thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean that insultingly. I mean, like, you know, that was probably more impressive back then, I guess. Damn. James is throwing shade. Well, you know, (laughs) snapping fingers and talking about coffee and poems wearing a turtleneck and a beret propellers do sound pretty exciting (laughs) (laughs) they're moving (laughs) Um, outside of his work at disney crump also designed satirical psychedelic counterculture posters of the 60s as well as the packaging and logo for ernie ball guitar strings no way yeah wow wow that's basically what you just described yeah it's like you know pretty out there man yeah yeah i'll pull up one of their logos um crump admits his own art could appear erratic a diamond in the rough crump says is how a superior once described him his colorfully untamed drawings lacked the encompassing epic like feel of a claude Coates, whose skill at creating environments framed the backdrop of many of disney's key attractions or the exquisiteness of Mark Davis, who had a knack for creating characters that felt are alternately realistic and exaggerated. <laughs> and yet, it's Crump whose odd and wacky tendencies led to the small world facade, where a clock with a goofy smile inspired by the drawings of Mary Blair is at once welcoming and mysterious, a clear sign that visitors are somewhere other than the real world. Um, only Sleeping Beauty's Castle more instantly says Disneyland. Totally. And, like, so I've been watching videos of him, clearly, and um, just, like, really spending time looking at the facade and the clock for It's a Small World. Mm -hmm. Because if you can imagine it without the movement, like, the kinetic movement that it has, it would be so weird. And, like, just, it wouldn't fit. It would be like, what is all this cardboard? But, like, (laughs) that, like, the, I don't know, like, the the clock face. It's a lot of panels and, and, Yeah. Yeah. It's a trippy facade, mm-hmm. and it yeah it's it's impressive every time you you turn that corner and walk up to it. Mm-hmm. It's such a large showroom too. And then just I mean, next time you're looking at it, just imagine it not being a moving. like an active moving part. Uh-huh. It, you won't like it. Trust me. <laughs> I was like, I hate this. <laughs> so what was his role? And it's a small role. He um he did the facade and the clock. Okay. He took he took Mary Blair's, yeah, Mary Blair's design for what it should look like. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, the thing that should be noted is Walt allowed all of these people to show their own style, says Imagineer Tom Morris. There wasn't this big corporate guidebook or style guide. 
Walt allowed there to be a Mark Davis style, a Claude Coates style, a Mary Blair style, and Rolly. Rolly is definitely one of the Disneyland styles. By the way, that is so... It shows Walt Disney's ability to... Delegate? Delegate and remove his own ego, which he, he clearly had a humongous say in everything that happened. As he should. It's called Disneyland. Yeah. But he trusted but his employees. But he trusted employees. his employees, and he trusted their artistic vision. And I think he knew that like, if you had each attraction or each Imagineer have, have their own artistic input in it, imprint on the thing they're working on, it's going to... Gives it depth. And, yeah, yeah, it gives it depth. It would be pretty one-dimensional if it were all the Disneyland look. Absolutely. Because yeah. everywhere you go in the park is just, it all ties in. They have a cohesive Disneyland feel and level of, um, what's the word? You know, like they, a level of attention that they adhere to, but it's, it's all unique in that way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not easy to do. It's almost like a art gallery. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like, totally. You turn has, the corner and then it's this person's right. panel. It has and, a theme. The whole thing has a theme, but it you can definitely see that different people yeah. had different visions. Absolutely. Yeah. Major decisions for the park could be made in a single meeting, says Crump. He recalls an afternoon with Disney and three or four other Imagineers to discuss a restaurant designed for Adventureland. A light the- uh, tiki theme was planned, mm-hmm. and John Hench, whom Crump cites as a mentor, suggested that there be stuffed birds throughout. <laughs> Imagine being that guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're talking about designing a restaurant? Oh, oh cool. Stuffed birds. 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 And let's stuff them. <laughs> oh, I'll do you one better. Let's have them clack and <laughs> sing absurd songs. Gosh. <laughs> People love to eat their pineapple teriyaki chicken burger and we do then walt said disney does not stuff birds john (laughs) then someone else said they're little mechanical birds and he says those are words in a little meeting and all of a sudden this became the tiki room wow so it's originally supposed to be a restaurant yes well it was connected i think the tahitian terrace was right right there i don't know what it all looked like and where everything was, but that's where Dad worked. You mean where? Uh, and they had like luau kind of dancing mm-hmm. and stuff, like where Jolly Holiday is now. Is that? No, I think it was behind, like where the oh that oh little that little Tangaroa, Tangaroa, Tangaroa terrace. terraces. Yeah, but I think it was bigger because I think where the hmm. well, I don't know because I wasn't there. I think you're right, though. I think that was all. Was that covered at one point? The Tangaroa Terrace. Well, for a long time, it was like Aladdin's meet and greet. Yeah, right. I think that that was even like early 2000s. Oh, yeah. They only took that down just, I guess, a few years. years Yeah, Yeah. maybe even less. Oh, wow. You could totally see that vibe in Walt Disney World still. It still has that vibe. They've got the flying carpet ride. Yeah. Yeah. Tear it out! <laughs> Take it out! That ride looks so terrible. Oh, it's Dumbo. It's just Dumbo. It's, it's simply Dumbo. Yeah. <laughs> so, for Crump, this conversation led to one of his biggest challenges handed down to him by Walt Disney himself. Walt said, If we're going to have people waiting to go into this restaurant, I don't want people standing in line. Design some tiki's that talk to people while they stand in line. Oh, just do that. <laughs> yeah. Just real quick. So that was my assignment. Cool. Uh, weeks of research aided by anthropologist Catherine uh, Luomala's sure. 1955 book, Voices on the Wind, led Crump Oh, to- I've read that. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite book. What a book. beatnik. <laughs> uh, led Crump to the idea of tiki gods and goddesses. I showed them to Wald and he said, these are great. Let's go with them. Just one problem. Blaine Gibson, the park's go-to sculptor, told Crump no. Despite the assignment coming straight from the old man himself, Gibson simply did not have the time. Rolly said, yeah. He's like, no, I don't care what my boss says. I just don't have the time. I don't have it. So... What was he working on? Come on. It was so important. I mean... Just all the other A lot of things that happened in the 60s, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Rolly said, well, then who will sculpt these? And Blaine said, you will. No. Back then, Rolly says, 
You just did what it took to do it. I used a plastic fork from the commissary to sculpt the clay on the tiki's that ended up in Disneyland. Oh, that's amazing. And that is beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking... I was just thinking kind of in depth about what that would be like to have a job. Where they're like, okay, just go figure out how to make some talking tiki's. Yeah. Just go figure that out. And like... Okay. And that's your sculptor so, can't help you. Yeah, that's so much of Imagineering. With, yeah, with yeah. all the, you know, faculties you have as a person. Just go <laughs> now, figure that out. Yeah. And that's what he did. That's what they yep. all did. I mean, yep. clearly some of them were more, more talented than others, but being able to just do the research and figure it out and grab a plastic fork <laughs> from, from the kitchen. I wonder if those same tiki's are still there or if they've been Yeah, is that replaced. what he's saying? You mean the ones that are, like, outside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The ones that talk to you. Huh. I'm Pele. Blah, but they're, blah, like, full-on moving animatronic yeah. situations. Yeah. He still had to sculpt them. Right. And they're not, like, high-tech. So they may be the original ones. I mean, obviously, they've been, like, refurbished and Do stuff. They, does but... he mean sculpt, like, sculpt as an example, and then and then the robotic like people prototype? make it? Probably. Okay. It must be that, right? I don't know if they had that much like resources at that point i don't know yeah i mean the sculptor there was the sculptor right and he couldn't do it so (laughs) the guy is like you gotta do it there's a plastic fork in the kitchen yeah (laughs) cool Uh, um as crump toyed with the haunted mansion designs on and off over the years his drawings increasingly emphasized the macabre Mm -hmm. a coffin that doubled as a grandfather clock a doorway made of human bones a woman dubbed the mistress of evil or a man-eating plant, the latter living on to inspire the Haunted Mansion's wallpaper. Very cool. Yeah. And I got to see them side by side today, and it was just like, oh, that's clearly, that's the man-eating plant that he made, and that's how they adapted that into the wallpaper design. Cool. Wow. Very cool. During a presentation to Disney, Crump says his peers told him his ideas would be too weird for the old man, (laughs) and they kept his designs in the corner. But during the presentation, Disney insisted on seeing them. The following morning, he arrived to work, he being Rolly, arrived to work, to find Disney sitting in his chair. The first thing he said to me was, you son of a bitch, uh-huh. Crump says. All that stuff you showed me yesterday, I couldn't sleep. I've heard the story before. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is where the plans for the never-built Museum of the Weird were born. Wow. Whether the museum would ever become a reality depends on whom, on whom you ask. Imagineer Marty Sklar said in a 2015 interview that if Disney had lived, the Museum of the Weird would have found its way into the mansion. But, says Crump, management didn't like it, and when Walt passed, he took the museum with him. Sad. I don't remember. Was the Museum of the Weird supposed to be in lieu of the Haunted Mansion? Or Originally, but then it was going to be its own attraction in the museum or in the building okay because the haunted mansion was gonna be a walkthrough attraction right originally originally he really wanted it crump really wanted it to be a walkthrough but right which would coincide with like a museum type vibe Mm -hmm. yeah that's 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 a tough sell these days yeah i mean there's just simply too many people yeah you'd have to have it and it's just not attention grabbing no you'd have to have it like the um like the queue for Guardians, oh, where it's right. like it's a museum, but you're also being moved along to go somewhere. To go on an exciting. So attraction. I mean, it could be incorporated into the queue mm-hmm. at the Haunted Mansion. I could see them doing that. You know, yeah. like a special. That would be so or like cool. a waiting room, yeah, type for, of a thing, right? Well, for like the outside, 70th anniversary or something. There's all the zigzag back exactly. and forth. Exactly. You could put a temporary cover over that. Uh huh. I'm thinking like a temporary exhibit kind of thing yeah. they could do, or even just outside the gate, like or or, or that, that yeah. huge area, and it's usually pretty empty. That oh yeah, could totally, totally become something. But that would be awesome. That would be so cool. Come for on, us. Disney, figure Come it out on. for us, for us, <laughs> us three. We demand. Um, another sweet little excerpt from his book. He writes, the morning that Walt passed away, John Hench was the one who came to tell me the news. He said, 
now we'll realize how much of our work was really done by Walt. Wow. And I think that was a really beautiful statement. It goes to show you what an effect he had on all of us. Beyond any doubt, Walt was a genius in every aspect of his life. Those who worked with him would always say that he had a crystal ball in his back pocket. In everything that mattered, he knew the future and made the correct decisions. No matter the project, Walt clearly saw its common denominator. He recognized the essential skills and talents of the people he assigned to work on his projects. He always picked the right people. He never talked down to you. He always spoke your language, and he always kept your interests in mind. It amazed me how he could talk to anyone about anything without skipping a beat and with perfect sincerity. Once he chose you for a project, and once he knew you understood that project, he backed you to the hilt no matter what others said. Hmm. Um, I never felt self-conscious talking to Walt. No one did. He had a childlike side, a broad streak of kindness that made you feel welcome in his presence, and that accounted in large part for his success. He seemed to understand everyone, and so his ideas touched everyone. Walt was able to reach inside you and bring a part of you to the surface that you didn't even know existed. What? We're just making a joke about reaching inside you. Oh. Don't don't <laughs> look at us. Sarah and I while you're talking. Sorry. You're making like milking We're hands. Children. <laughs> it's a very sweet moment. All I hear is and how both Disney of us are just people. shoving our hands at each other and squeezing. <laughs> Walt was able to reach inside you and bring a part of you to the surface that you didn't even know existed. Ooh. He brought out the best in the people around him. He brought out the best in me. Oh, that is very sweet. Yeah. Despite my stupid... Well, despite me. That yeah. That is very sweet. Despite <laughs> you, stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Crump is also herald heralded as co-leading what would be Disneyland's greatest version of Tomorrowland. A sort of mod-like vision of future past that well, yeah. opened in 1967. That's what they need to do now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just decide already. Just go back to that. Um, shortly after Tomorrowland's revamp in 1967, Crump took the staff out to celebrate. Looking back, he recalls one of his proudest moments occurring at Club 33, the place he famously dismissed as pretentious and stupid. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he says, we had a big lunch at the 33 Club. Roy Disney was there. He came up to me and he said, are you Rolly Crump? And I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, my brother used to talk about you. And this is when Crump's smile widens as a grin as big as a kid discovering a silly symphony for the first time. I just thought, that's cool. <laughs> Since the death of um, his idol in 1966, his relationship with Disney has been in flux. Crump's conflicted emotions only intensified in the years leading to the opening of Walt Disney World in 1971. Crump says of the Magic Kingdom, it had no feeling of Disney. It lacked the personal touch of animators trained in the hand-drawn craft. Mm. It was a lot of good architectural pieces, but I looked at that and thought to myself, what the hell is going on here? Disneyland has charm. Disneyland freaking hugs you and kisses you. We also felt that yes. there. He's not wrong. <laughs> I have been hugged and kissed. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, he I've had more happen. Wow. Really? I've gone at least the third base. With? Disneyland. <laughs> More croissant lunching. <laughs> Again, Ashley, just don't even acknowledge me. I try. Right I try it. to ignore Deanna, you. Deanna, mute my mic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 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 Um, so he points to the height difference between California's Sleeping Beauty Castle, which is at 77 feet, and Florida's Cinderella Castle at 189 feet. Ours is better. As an example of this change that he didn't like. He says, Oh. When you go to Disney World and you see the castle, it makes you want to genuflect, and that disturbed me. Ah, oh. from the man himself. Yep. Sorry to our East Coast friends. Shots fired. But this is an objective truth. <laughs> The Disneyland castle is better. Is better. It's so small. It's so it's little. Well, <laughs> I know. When we went to Walt Disney, we were like, oh, wow, that's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go back to Disneyland and you stand next to it. Like, <laughs> I feel huge. <laughs> it's still better. 
Even so, he took part in the initial look of the Florida park. I helped design the rides at Walt Disney World, but we lost the charm, he says. You can't have someone in charge that doesn't understand the look that Walt had. The art was done by people in animation and animation background painters. The whole thing fell apart. I quit. Oh, wow. Of course, he did not stay away very long. <laughs> Crump would quit and return numerous times. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought he had more to do with that part. He did. <laughs> So, in 1970, Rolly left the company to consult on various theme park projects, but he returned to, D to Disney in 1976 to contribute to Epcot, serving as the project designer for The Land and the Wonders of Life pavilions. Cute. Mm -hmm. We love The Land. Love it. I don't know what the Wonders of Life pavilion is. I don't think that exists anymore. I don't think so. That does not sound familiar. But we've only been there once, so yeah. who knows? However, he would leave the company again in 1981, before both of those pavilions opened in 1982 and 89, respectively, to lead design on a proposed Cousteau Ocean Center in Norfolk, Virginia, and to launch his own firm, the Mariposa Design Group, de developing an array of themed projects around the world. Oh, so he, he branched off again, at that point. Yeah. But... And this is what era? 80s. Okay. And then a but. Go ahead. But... In grand tradition, in 1992, Crump would return to the former <laughs> WED Enterprises, now rechristened Walt Disney Imagineering, as the executive designer before officially, quote, retiring from the Walt Disney Company in 1996. I just thought of the part in Godfather 3, the worst of the Godfathers, when Al Pacino says something to the effect of, like, you know, I tried to leave. They pull me back and in. And they pull me back in! Except he's pulling himself back in, I yeah. think. Yeah. Really no. just keeps going back for more. I think he it's more like Brokeback Mountain. I wish I knew how to quit you. <laughs> Brokeback Disney. Brokeback Castle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so naturally, Rolly continued to work on a number of creative projects, even though he was, in fact, retired. Mm -hmm. He really couldn't leave. He really no. couldn't. He tried. Um, now I'm going to cover like the 2000s to the present time. Uh, 2004, Rolly was honored with the Walt Disney Legends Award. Mm. 2009, he was honored with a window and sign on Disneyland's Main Street USA, naming him Aww. as the assistant to the palm reader at Fargo's Palm Parlor, which oh, that's is one of our favorites. Yes, yes, that is my favorite. It might be my the favorite. The Fargo part, though, I had no idea. That's his yep. middle name. That's his that's middle awesome. name, yep. And it's an allusion to his weird designs. Um, having your legacy preserved on a Main Street window is an honor reserved for those who were truly key in Disneyland's evolution. And to this day, ask him about it and he'll tear up. Oh, I would too. Yeah. He says, when I worked at the park, I'd see the names on the windows and they were all gods, Crump says. <laughs> they were all old guys. Finally, one day I became an old guy. That was a very special thing. Aww. <laughs> In 2012, he published his autobiography with Jim Jeff Heimbuck. 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 You know Jeff Heimbuck. Yeah. Jeff. Doesn't know him. You know Jeff. <laughs> Good old Jeff. Good old Jeff. Uh, the title being, It's Kind of a Cute Story. Then in, in 2014, Crump and Gracie's conceptual designs for the Museum of the Weird were adapted into a Marvel comic book series titled Seekers of the Weird. Thank you to Deanna for That's introducing right. us to this. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's his general background, yeah. but uh, I also wanted to go over he his criticism of the modern parks, and then finally at the end, just kind of a, a little bit more like peppering of his vibe and his okay. his uh, okay. legacy. I'm curious. Some modern parks, yes, not not one park. Yeah, the parks in general. Interesting. So Crump has a bit of reputation as one of the park's most vocal critics. <laughs> For decades, he has offered blunt assessments of Disney designs as well as his former peers. He sounds like a Disney fan. Yes, exact. <laughs> exactly. I love this thing so yes. much that I hate it. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Um, a no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is artist who is offended at the suggestion that others would be offended by his critiques. <laughs> at the same time, Crump is fiercely possessive of Disneyland's ideals and believes strongly in the theme park as a place of living art. He says, no one is trying to keep charm in the park and I've had enough of it. <laughs> this has been Man. my whole life. 
fall in love with Disneyland and Disneyland can break your heart. Oh, this guy's <laughs> speaking to me. <laughs> Boy. Which is partly why, despite Crump's tough talk in recent years about wanting to clear his home of his Disney artifacts, it just became cumbersome, he says. He ultimately wasn't prepared to say goodbye. He admits now that he tried to stop from crying when he saw his art boxed up while he sat at a dining room table. Ask him if he misses visiting Disneyland regularly, and he answers emphatically, no, 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 no. Not anymore. Then he pauses and and says simply, the park is gone. While there is most certainly a theme park at 1313 Disneyland Drive in Anaheim, Crump dismisses it as a, quote, stroller park. Oh, wow. He views its current state, um, the result of a battle that he's long been fighting. That handcrafted quality described by Morris and epitomized by Crump's fork-sculpted tiki gods is what he repeatedly worries is disappearing from the parks. Crump is one of the most important designers of the development of early Disneyland, and as one of the only few surviving architects of the park who can speak directly to the intentions of its creator, Walt Disney. I want to comment on this. I, I disagree with him <clears throat> I, on that. I do too. But, but I, he's but not wrong. He's not wrong. And I guess my my comment on that is same with any art or any uh, similar commentary like that on anything, mm-hmm. whether it's films bands that you love it's it's better in my day yeah yeah it's it's a better in your day because that's how we are nostalgia is very real you can't fight it everyone's like man back in the 80s it was so different he's gonna do the same thing that's Mm -hmm. first but secondly disney the company well it's just that it's a company and as much as i want them to maintain that charm and that individual artistic vision that he's talking about like an actual park not a stroller park right they are in it for profit and it's 2022 they have to adapt Mm -hmm. if i mean people just don't care about the swiss family robinson treehouse anymore right we do because we grew up with it right dad cares even more about it because he really grew up with it but the the modern seven-year-old going to the park today they want to see spider-man yeah that's what they want to see Right. And they want, you know, and like, you have to adapt. And And if they don't adapt, they're going to die. And you want these companies to be profitable. You want them to be successful. And they do still have, like, their, the problem is is that we don't know the designers, like, specific designers behind different components anymore because there's such a great team. But they are making, like, really phenomenal, like, just really clever decisions still do in the it. parks. They still do it. It's like, You're right. It's like these touches that are like, you. they didn't have to do that. Well, and right. it's like it's like a band. You hear all the time where people are like, it, you love a band so much. Yeah, and you love Star that first Wars record. Thing. And you're like, Why, I wish they would just stay like that. But then you go, but you know that they're going to quit if they don't make money. You know that <laughs> yeah. they can't just keep playing in front of 500 people the way right. that you liked it. If they and, don't progress and get bigger and, and grow to a larger audience, it, Green Day is a great example of this. They, when they started, they were like, DIY, punk rock band, man. Fuck the system, punk rock band. Playing in front of 10 people. stadium. And now they are a stadium rock band yeah. that like spans like four generations now. They had a mm-hmm. musical. They had a musical. They, they made like actual commercial success. and. Yeah. If you want them to st- still be around, then you better hope that they have commercial success. You have to cater to your audience, and I think that that's something that Disney's really done a good job at. Oh, hell yeah. Is recognizing the next thing. Yep. While that, still... Yeah. It's, they while still, still honor the past, the past. Yep. but yeah. you, have, you have to have the Pixar stuff. You have to. You have to. And, you have and to. what's amazing is they were actually able to bring nostalgia in by doing the Star Wars stuff. Totally. Mm-hmm. Because that's for all the generations. That's for all the generations. And it's it's worked And the irony, what, here's a good example. When we first started going to Disneyland again as adults with you, and we and you showed us, you're like, just wait till you see Cars Land. Remember, yeah. Ash and I, yep. our response was like, wait till we see what land? Yeah. Cars we haven't even seen land? the movie. Why do we care about I don't that? give a shit about this Cars movie. And you're like, that's not the point. No. Nope. <laughs> Trust me. There's a thing, it's called Kachow, and we're like, well, okay. And now, that has so so much nostalgia for me, mm-hmm. that that is part of that 
tradition. And you're not into the movie. At no. all. At all. Don't care Don't about care. the movie. It's it's fine, but that's not why I love it. It's yeah. They're really good at creating little um, special moments special and special moments. places. It's physical artwork. It's yeah. A, it's yeah. Living... And so, like, to his credit, you know, he is saying that he loves, what he loves about Disneyland is that it's a living work of art. It is. And I think that he's you know, it's not that he's wrong, and I totally understand where he's coming from, but it is still a living piece of art. And mm-hmm. it's just that there's a lot more artists involved. Mm-hmm. It's just not the artist that he grew up with. Yeah. And, and that's fine. He's he's a 92-year-old man. Of course he's going to have that opinion. Excuse you, he's 91. I'm sorry. Until, a fresh 91. Until this episode comes out. <laughs> As of today, he is 91. Happy oh, birthday! And the other comment I was going to say is that if you think about the other amusement parks out there, they don't even they don't even hold a candle. No. Go go to Six Flags. You're gonna have a great time on the roller coasters because they're really really fun. Mm-hmm. They but don't. As soon as you get off that roller coaster, there's nothing for you. Oh yeah, you're just smacked in the face to look of reality. At. Yeah, concrete and a trash can and kids shoving each other and like kind of like gangbangy dudes walking. Around. It's not the same place. <laughs> it is not, and you don't you don't know that because we always go to Disneyland. Yeah, all of them are like that. I mean, even Universal Studios is pretty fun, but it's just there's no. Boy, is it a different place. Yep. Yeah. So, on to his, his vibe and his rep. The uh, almost 92-year-old designer's reputation is that of a rebel and mm-hmm. a fierce protector of individual freedom in the complex world of corporate art. His office door was graced with a smoke marijuana poster. Whoa. <laughs> Former Imagineer Tom Morris remembers seeing it for the first time when he was on a tour before he became an employee. He says... Um, he was new. This was back when he was newly returned to wed, and I met him in his office, and it had a giant smoke marijuana poster wow. on the front in the company office. Yes, that's pretty ballsy. Says <laughs> this so, was like the '90s then when he came back. No, this was '70s. Oh, I'm okay. Sure. Which is even more. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. Um, it was a big Disneyland Disneyland attraction sized poster on his door, <laughs> <laughs> and I remember wow. thinking. This is an unusual place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, he also made posters for heroin and cocaine. Oh, among, wow. Among other vices. That's pretty awesome. Pretty, uh, that's I pretty mean, rad. I'm not pro heroin or cocaine, but, no, but pro, I like, am pro being weird and being a rebel. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, so apparently I saw something today that was like he got the inspiration when he saw like the the Native American dude with his like smoked tobacco. Yep. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, well, smoke marijuana and like made a full like gorgeous disneyland poster for smoke marijuana wow. and then did the same thing for these other things <laughs> good for him if you have time look at you guys should look up the and this is to the audience too look up the just type in raleigh crump ernie ball logo mm-hmm. and there's a few different versions but you can see you can see the influence yeah I'll put it that way um, he has been known to brag about driving his Porsche around Fantasyland when he served as Disneyland's art director. Cool. Oh, very cool. Very cool. It, so he's a rich guy, right? Yeah. Is he rich from? What do you get rich from? I guess is it, do you it get wasn't like, thirty dollars a week. Yeah. Well, obviously his salary is going to go <laughs> through the roof. I mean, but also he like he just did a million. Like I haven't even touched other than the Cousteau Museum thing. He's done so many projects around the world. Like not, he did, not Disney. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, just the independent contractor part of it was so just is he everywhere. more of a designer, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... But, I mean, he's he still has, like, art all over the place. Okay. And, you know, they had, like, a traveling museum of his works for a while. And, oh, cool. And then they auctioned it, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, this is a man, after all, who drew a naked and full-figured Rapunzel for Florida's Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> and I had to look it up because I was like, what? <laughs> oh, wow. She's, like, laying down with her hair barely covering her nips. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> and even a quick glance around Rolly's Fallbrook, California home will tell you that you are looking at the living space of an artist. On walls painted in shades of terracotta, yellow, green, and blue hang Japanese kimonos, African masks, and oriental art. The library is dotted with his paintings of Josephine Baker. In the TV room, an Indian canopy of vibrant hue and pattern covers the ceiling. 
Crump's home isn't a surprise when you consider his working life. Most of his days lately are spent tending to his 20-acre farm in Rainbow, making sure weeds are pulled and the avocado trees are well watered during the summer. He continues to paint and sculpt uh, papier-mâché figures and use his artistic expertise to benefit the local charity group Rally for Children. He's a true original, even among Imagineers. Uh, Rolly drew forth genius in others. Very, very similar to his description of Walt. Yeah. Um, The parallel there is While you were talking, too, I was just thinking, because I asked how he became so wealthy. Well, there's there's obvious things you can point to. His work, salary, he probably gets, like, royalties on things and whatever. But as you were talking, I took a sip of my coffee... And then I put it down on a coaster mm-hmm. that is a yeah. <laughs> haunted mansion coaster yeah. with his artwork on it. Right. Or his influence at, at yeah. a minimum. And when you have that kind of pop culture influence over the world, you're going to be wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be, you know, like, that's just how it goes. Yep. That's so cool. Disney concept designer John Horney. James, get it out right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's not saying it's Horney. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Mr. Horney. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Almost as good as Anthony Weiner. The guy's last name's Weiner. Why did he get in trouble? For taking a picture of his Weiner. <laughs> Can't write that, man. So John Sorry, Horney ob- all that observed. <laughs> I, I gave you a moment. I, I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> he said... Rolly has a knack for bringing out the best in others. Trusting their talent, he encourages artists to push their creativity to the limits. It's a rare creative person who can let others run with the ball. Show writer Jim Steinmeier added, The idea is king with Rolly. It doesn't have to be his vision as long as it works. Sounds that, just like mm-hmm. Walt. That's amazing. Totally. Not By the way, not everyone's like that. No. It's really hard. It's to. so rare. Yeah, especially when you're in charge and you have responsibilities of how something's going to come out you know as a project manager or whatever but hearing other people's ideas that's that's not easy to do especially like when listening to someone's dream yeah you're yeah. like okay yeah. <laughs> but why <laughs> are you birds. telling me about sure. this <laughs> um tom morris says for me he's one of the greats i would mimic his artwork as a kid not even knowing that there was a rolly crump there was just something I liked about the line work and the design of the tiki's and the stage in Tomorrowland or parts of the small world facade. I would just doodle those and then later I found out Rolly was the guy who did all that and I was like, he was a god. <laughs> but Rolly the god is humble and fiercely protective of his fellow artist's designs. When he speaks of the Haunted Mansion, he refers to it as belonging to Yale Gracie. And when he talks about it's a small world, it's, quote, Mary's ride. <laughs> He says he has a number of Mary Blair's original drawings for the ride's dolls, which he did in auction. Those are priceless, Crump says. Um, by the way, I found out today also that so he worked with Mary Blair on creating It's a Small World mm-hmm. as it was installed at Disneyland. And they were called Two Peas in a Pod because they just got along so well together. Oh, wow. And there's like a little, I think there's like a little pea in the pod thing of the two of them in the ride somewhere. And now oh. I have to find it. So it's one of the few things that he did an auction off. It's just so cute. I love that. Yeah. He says, uh, those are priceless. This is history. But Crump also has no patience for any additions or aspect to It's a Small World that deviate from Blair's work. The auction offered Crump a bittersweet sense of finality. When that happened, I began to miss it. And when I went to the auction, it was a killer. A killer. Mm-hmm. It was really emotionally scary. Crump's son, Christopher, who followed in his father's footsteps to work for Disney, speaks about his father's legacy. If you wanted to think about his design philosophies and the guy he was, you've seen the beatnik posters and what he calls the dope posters. It was all counterculture, and my dad dressed like a beatnik. But he's a nut. They were all nuts. Right. This was a brand new endeavor for most of them, Christopher continues. They were making this all up as they went along, and there was a lot of experimentation. Complete psychos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It didn't matter if you hadn't done it before, because nobody had done nobody it before. Had done it before. <laughs> it's an insane thing to do. 
When Crump received his invite to become a Disney legend in 2004, he trashed the envelope, believing the company honor had become more about celebrity rather than saluting those who have shaped Disney history. He can't help himself. (laughs) But he went, largely at the urging of his son and Imagineering executive Sklar. And then he proceeded to choke up on stage. So that's a common theme with this Uh guy. He's like, fuck the man, dude. Free ride. <laughs> I always say free ride. It's slow, slow ride. ride. Slow yeah. ride. Slow ride. <laughs> and then, yeah, then he always gets sentimental about it in the end. Yep. Very sweet. That's my dad, says Christopher. <laughs> He'll say, I'm not going to that goddamn thing. Then he always goes to that goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> of course. He's a Disney he, legend. Yeah. When he expresses frustration with the parks, it's not due to a lack of desire to change. What Crump laments is the obviously personal touch. Yeah. An attraction that clearly belongs to a specific artist more than it does a blockbuster film. Crump simply hopes that we don't lose sight of what Disneyland once was. A place, in the words of his son, designed by nuts. I love that. Cute. That is very So beautiful. cute. And it makes me remember how much, and we, we've, three of us talked about this a lot on the podcast, how much we want and we hope that Disney will always have attractions that aren't based off movies and yeah. mm-hmm. IP. Right. That it's just Haunted Mansion. Yeah. That came from just an artistic vision, tiki room, all of that stuff. Some of our favorites have nothing to do with any sort of film. It's probably most of our favorites, if yeah. we think about it. I mean, really, like, my favorite thrill rides are. Because I love the Incredicoaster yeah. and right. I love Guardians. But, the, but Disneyland the ones side? that make me feel so happy mm-hmm. are like pirates yep. and haunted mansion and yeah even it's a small world i totally. hate that ride but i love it yes hate it but love it tiki same hate it but love it yeah need it has need to it. be there mm-hmm. uh, and before... at the time pirates of the caribbean yeah well most yeah. of most of disneyland is yeah, like most that disneyland. right and actually there's very few in california adventure that are not tied to yeah. Some kind of... Which is the kind of the turn of the time. You know, that's right. the current way. Yeah. And anything mm-hmm. that's new at Disneyland will probably be that way too, unfortunately. Yeah. Or, I don't know, depending on how you look at it. I mean, Galaxy's Edge is clearly going to be Star Wars based. And that's the newest thing we've seen at Disneyland. So, I don't know. Time will tell. And it's absolutely breathtaking. Mm-hmm. They did nothing wrong there. Well, they're talking about doing the expansion where... They would do like the old Pirates Cove thing they used to have at mm-hmm. Disneyland, and that would be an extension, um, I guess, to like Towards Peter Pan. Coast. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, that could be an original thought. I I'm hope just it is. Really hoping that the Mickey's Runaway Railway mm-hmm. extension to Toontown, they also update Toontown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think they are. The. Sun, oh, they are. No, they sun are. faded I just remember that. BS. <laughs> Have you seen that? No. Have you guys seen that? No, there's there's a renovation to Toontown. I just remember that. Good. Yeah, it's a it's a whole thing. It, I mean, it's still Toontown. Yeah. But they're going to put like a, a park grass, just, mm-hmm. just a section of grass. Yeah. I mean, their intention is for people to like have picnics on this grass. That would stuff. be wonderful. I don't know if that's going to happen, but yeah, that's their intention. I don't know. Before Let's I forget okay. my sources. Yep, hit it. Um, everything I did was directly pulled from a, a lot of different things. Mostly um, latimes.com, uh, Roley's book, It's Kind of a Cute Story, Disney Fandom Wiki, rulandcrump.com, d23, insidethemagic.net, and a whole bunch of YouTube videos. Nice. Well, good work. Thanks. A lot of research yeah, as usual. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Good yeah. job, Ash. Shall we transition? Land this Land Disney this. blimp. Nope. I don't know. Let the air out of the podcast hot air balloon. <laughs> toss this. Uh, <laughs> toss this. Uh, what is it called? The the four the trade fade trade winds fair winds the thing that he designed that he hated. Oh. Yeah, the the propellery thing. Yeah, the one that supposedly ended yeah. up in the bottom of the Atlantic. Well, let's, let's do that. Let's toss it let's overboard. Toss it. To- we just tossed it right out of this podcast ship. Yeah. <laughs> so we got <laughs> some. Uh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Boo. Boo. Wow, Ash, you've got a future. Yeah. In Foley, I believe is what that's called. <laughs> well, before we let you go, we want to recommend some content to you. Yes. So, I would like to recommend yet another audiobook, which James says makes me sound like some kind of scholar or something. You're wearing I'm just, glasses. I am. I'm wearing glasses because I was too lazy to put my contacts no, in. Because you're a scholar. Yes. You're an intellectual. That doesn't read anything. I yeah. just listen. Um, you don't need to say that. Read me those stories, but Audible. <laughs> this one is specifically the audiobook because the person who is doing the audiobook does such a good job. I think you really have to listen to it. I can't imagine that I would have felt the same way if I'd read it. It's called Fight Night mm. by Miriam Taves, which is T-O-E-W-S. Um, Fight Night. And it, it's so cute it's just it's the story of a she's like maybe 14 year old girl and her relationship with her grandmother and it's told from her perspective and then about halfway through it swaps to the grandma's perspective Mm. and that's smart the grandma is freaking hysterical and she reminds (laughs) me so much of our grandma lynn that you just you'll have to listen to it it made me laugh out loud so many times. What was the name again? Fight, Fight Night. Night. Fight Night. I don't really understand why it was called Fight Night. Yeah, I was gonna, I was like, that doesn't sound it like It sounds like something that's very violent, and it is not at all. The first rule of Fight Night is to name your book after something that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> and the second rule is so, to never tell anyone about never it. Never tell anyone about it. <laughs> Well, good, good pick, Sarah, as usual. You're an intellectual. Oh, yeah. And we should all listen to you. <laughs> what an insincere piece of shit you are. You're wearing, you're wearing glasses. You look smart. People need to listen to you. Okay, my recommendation is typical James nonsense. So, as you know, Ashley, and Sarah, you probably know too, I have guilty pleasures for music. We Horses. All do. Hor- no, no. no, this is a different thing. Okay, okay. This is a little bit more on track with who okay, I am okay. as a person. Guilty <laughs> pleasures. Um, yeah, and lately I've been really listening to a lot of like pop punk. Pop punk and ska and like okay. California. Gosh, you've heard that yeah. going around lately in my head and in the car. If you if you want to feel good, listen to some like SoCal ska or little little uh, pop punk bands like State Champs and Four Year Strong and even like Early No Doubt. It'll get you going. Oh, I love Early No Doubt. Some some, some of the ska happy rancid that that they put out. Any of that stuff. Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, man. Hoot 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 hootle hoot 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 hootle hoot. It's so good. You get a little eh, 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 and some trombones. All I of a sudden, you you're happy. I wish you could all see him because he's playing a trombone. He's t- hoot, 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 hoot. <laughs> Idiot. Well, that's it. That's my recommendation. Don't don't overthink it. Just I love it. Just do it. And you know what? That applies to any any kind of music that you want. To, if if it's Taylor Swift that does it for you, do it. Absolutely. Take him back. I love me some, some T-Swift. Who doesn't, man? There's a reason she's popular. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't have an animal hero, but it's going to be obvious that I'm going to be recommending It's Kind of a Cute Story. Yay. Obviously. By Jeff Heimbuck. Heimlich. Heimbuck. Heimbuck. Heimlich maneuver. Yes. Um, and Rolly Crump. And specifically, go down a YouTube rabbit hole of all of the various interviews with Rolly, because... Like, you know, I can read these things that he's said, but it's so freaking funny watching this sweet little old man say these things. Of course. Yeah, that's great. I used to love that with Hunter S. Thompson. Like, you can read his books, but when he reads his books, oh, oh yeah. you totally get it. <laughs> like, oh, he's out of his mind. <laughs> you got to hear it slightly drunk and like, you and, know, pause. Like, frantic. To, like yeah, really frantic and, yeah. start and stop with the way he talks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a really good Hunter S. Thompson impression. Good job. Well, we did it, guys. Another episode. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another episode of Disney Dependent. See you real soon. soon. Woo! Wow.
You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Disney Dependent. And you can send us an email at DisneyDependent at gmail.com. This podcast is produced by Producer Ash. The logo is by Ryan Hatch, and you can find him at WR Hatch on Instagram. The music is by Ryan Knowles, and you can find him at Ryan Allen Knowles on Instagram. This show is mixed and edited by Deanna Chapman. You can find Deanna at Deanna underscore Chapman. And this has been a Team Dynamite Goat production. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the show, and we'll be back here next week.